Hey y'all, did you miss me? Cause I surely missed you. So let's get into it. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are, we hope you are well and safe. Welcome to Trying to Blow Out a Light Bulb, People of Color in Recovery. I am your host, Desiree. This podcast is intended to give voice and a safe space to the unique experiences of people of color struggling with the effects of alcoholism and addiction, be it within ourselves or a loved one, family member, or friend. We strive to honor this intent by providing content solely sourced by those of us who identify as a person of color. All are welcome to tune in. We are friends, family members, and loved ones of alcoholics and addicts that have found a path to peace and serenity. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes and we believe that changed perspectives can provide relief and lead to healing. Before we begin, we'd like to express that in this podcast, we represent ourselves rather than any 12-step group or program. Here, we share our own experiences. The opinions expressed are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. It is our hope that you'll find something in our sharing that speaks to you and resonates within the confines of your heart and mind. Let's heal, y'all. Hey, y'all. So before we get started with uh, this week's episode, um, I wanted to provide some context regarding my hiatus. I began recording episodes with guest hosts um, last month, and the production of the first episode uh, with the guest host, as you will soon discover, came out hella shoddy on my end. For weeks, I went back and forth trying to figure out what the best thing to do would be. Should I just skip it? and go to the next guest host episode? Should I try to salvage this episode? Should I contact the guest host and ask for a redo? Um, Or should I just scrap the whole thing altogether? I realized I was just shooting on myself and allowing my need to be perfect and right all the time to overshadow why I decided to do this podcast in the first place, which is to provide a safe space for people of color who are struggling from the effects of alcoholism. Besides, Sabrina, our inaugural guest host, came through very clearly on the episode, and y'all have heard me and will continue to hear me. Um, So I figured the best thing to do would be to go ahead and release the episode. Um, it's just one episode. And since, and, and I've since made adjustments to ensure similar technical difficulties do not occur. 
Um, I've reached out to Sabrina and she's agreed to come on the podcast again at a later date. Uh, and, um, excuse me. And I thank her for, I thank her for her understanding. Again, I ask that you please excuse the shoddy sound on my end. Um, I felt this was a great example of how to practice progress, not perfection. So without further ado, uh, please join me in welcoming Sabrina as we discuss the recovery topic, the nature of my nature. All right, everybody, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. Um, We are going to do something a little different uh, this episode. Um, I have been wanting to do this quite some time, um, but haven't had the nerve to (laughs) strike up the courage actually uh, to um, invite other guests to come on the podcast and share their experience, for example, their stories. Um, But I did want to just um, thank uh, Sabrina. We have Sabrina here with us this this afternoon. Um, I, have been more than privileged um, to accompany Sabrina um, within the rooms of recovery. And so um, I do want to just thank her for um, agreeing to be a guest host, a very, very, very first guest host of trying to blow out a light bulb. I am just um, that she emphatically agreed. And so, I want to welcome Sabrina. Sabrina, welcome. Thank you so much for, for doing this with me. And, um, hey, thank you for having me, Desiree. I'm so glad to be here. And stumbling stumbling through this with me. We're going to get through this, though, girl, I promise. Um, yes. So what, um, what I did, what I uh, offered up to Sabrina, tell us her story. Topic and her experience bringing to the podcast, or if she wanted me to pick a topic, and she decided on the third for me to pick a topic, and it was perfect timing because I had, I just had the perfect topic or the perfect topic at the time, and so our topic today is going to be rediscovering the nature of my nature through the twelve steps. And we have a couple of readings for you um, that resonate with this topic. And so our first reading is from Courage to Change. It is February 19th entry. And I will go ahead and read that for you now. When I wrote my fourth step inventory, I carried a notebook around with me day and night. I didn't want to leave anything out. I discovered my first defect, obsession. I was still writing 15 minutes before I shared my fifth step. As I took this step out, as I took this step and read my words out loud, some of my patterns became clear for the first time. My behavior paralleled that of the alcoholic. The only difference was that I did it sober. Insane, but sober. I saw how much I blamed other people for the events in my life, how I took everything personally and how my reactions to the alcoholic were based on my fear. 
I expected to feel differently the next day, but nothing much happened except that I felt very tired and a little fragile, but change had begun. As time went by, when I found myself in situations similar to those I had described in my fourth step, I noticed that my reactions were less extreme. Some things that had bothered me terribly no longer mattered. That's when I knew I'd begun to change. Today's reminder, I am learning the nature of my nature through the 12 steps. I trust that I will uncover what I need to know for now and leave the rest for another time. I am worth learning about. And the quote is from In All Our Affairs. When we take step five, we demonstrate a willingness to change. And Sabrina will go ahead and read um, the reading that she picked out for this one. Yes, thank you so much. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm still a little stuck on hearing that reading, but I know we'll get to it. Um, so I picked in the same month, apparently February was the month to really get on us for this episode. And that's February the 12th, also from A Courage to Change. And this one particularly resonated with me after I heard the topic, <clears throat> nature versus, is it nature versus nature? I'm sorry, my nature. Nature of our nature, the nature of our nature. The nature of our nature. So when I read this, I was like, oh, this really speaks to me as well. So for me, detachment is relatively easy with casual friends where I'm not very emotionally involved. I've noticed that when I am detached, I can listen to other people being critical or grumpy without being affected. But if members of my family act the same way, I often take on their negative frame of mind. My own behavior shows me that I have a choice about my response to other people's moods and attitudes. What I have learned by comparing these two situations is that detachment involves paying attention to my own mood before I have a chance to take on someone else's. Then I can simply see and hear negativity or anger without becoming negative or angry. I don't have to have a bad day just because someone I love is struggling. This knowledge allows me to let everyone, including myself, feel whatever they feel without interference. Today's reminder, if I pause for a moment before focusing on someone else's mood, I may find out that I have feelings of my own that deserve attention. I will look for those moments to check in with myself today. And the quote is from Detachment. Detachment allows us to let go of our obsession with another's behavior and begin to lead happier and more manageable lives. Lives with dignity and rights, lives guided by a power greater than ourselves. I know for me, when, when I first, when I, I heard this at a, re, at a meeting, someone read the, and I was late to the meeting. I came in and, they were reading a paragraph like before that paragraph. So I caught the very tail end of the reading. But the nature of my name, that it just, I don't know, hit me. Like, so I would just love to hear like your thoughts on, on the topic, your whatever comes to you, whatever comes to your heart, um, your, you know, your first impression of the topic, 
Yes. Gorgeous. Well, you know, <clears throat> thank you so much, Desiree. And, you know, several things come to mind when I first heard uh, this reading. And one of the things is how similar and almost the same we are to the alcoholic and how as much as I stood really in judgment of him and my, um, the alcoholic that I love in my life that's closest to me is my husband. And I stood in judgment of him a lot about the things that he did. But what I found over time as I learned about the disease of alcoholism is just how similar my behavior was to his. The only difference is I didn't have anything to blame it on. I couldn't say, well, you know, I was drunk or I had a little too much or, you know, it was a rough day. So I had a few beers on the way home. So I really couldn't blame it on anything specifically. The only blame that I had was on him. And it was oftentimes his behavior or reaction to the alcohol that I then would take on this attitude with him. And oftentimes I would find myself even matching whatever extreme behavior he had. And so that meant that if he came in from work and was irritable, suddenly I was irritable. If he didn't come home at all, then I was roaring for a fight. And sometimes I would find myself even pacing and getting ready and um, practicing, you know, the, the sparring that I knew would go on into the night. Um, I would numb myself in the same way that he did, but I would numb myself with words. You know, if I could say this to him or if I could say that to him, or even if there was an argument that was over, I would replay the argument in my head and I would obsess and obsess and obsess. And did I mention obsess about what he said, what I said, what I should have said, what I could have said, what I was thinking about saying, all of the above, I just obsessed. I was so frustrated with even my own behavior. I, I would find myself flying off the handle just at the smell of the alcohol on their breath. And he may have come in and, and been, you know, his normal self. Because I think the piece that I would forget is that, you know, when you're an alcoholic, you know, behavior that happens when you're drinking is normal for you. So I kept looking for somebody else. You know, where is this other person underneath the alcohol? But really, mostly who I saw was the alcoholic. So my reactions to that behavior, I would, I would immediately fight with that person because I wanted to see the other person. And one of the challenges that I had is that when he wasn't drinking, I would see that other person. And I would just be so floored 
that I saw them, guess what I did? I started treating him like the alcoholic because I was like, you're only here for a moment. You're not gonna be here to stay. So therefore I need to, um, you know, poke, poke at you in the way or rehash an argument that we had when the alcoholic was present. And I'll tell you that one of the things that this program did for me, Desiree, in recovery in the rooms and being exposed to other people's experience, strength, and hope is it helped me separate the two and realize that even in my love for him, I was fortunate to love not one, but two people. And I really had to learn how to love both because no matter what, they both were here and really here to stay. You know, unless he one day decides to get clean or to stop drinking. But even still, once I learned about the disease, it sometimes takes a long time before the sober personality kind of takes over and you see that person permanently. But really for the most part, you see that person um, even sober, you still see the alcoholic personality for a long time after the drinking stops. But I'll tell you that I was so ashamed many times for my behavior, especially in the beginning, because I didn't understand what I was seeing. I didn't understand, you know, why this behavior was the way it was. And, you know, I felt like maybe if I yelled louder, if I curse more, if I stomped my feet more, if I pounded my fists on the bed more, then maybe it would wake, you know, the sober personality up and put the alcoholic to sleep. Well, as much as I tried that, it did not work. And what would happen was I would do really silly things like argue with him when he was particularly inebriated, meaning I learned over time that he was even and often blacked out when I would have these conversations. But I would choose that time to rehash, you know, 30 days worth of frustration. <laughs> and then when he cut me off or was short or even sometimes exited in the middle of my sentence, I just couldn't understand, well, how dare you? I'm, I'm trying to have a conversation with you. Well, I don't know about anybody, but if you're in a, and I don't even know that this is an equivalent, but I know that if at any point you are otherwise altered. So I think about, you know, someone who's had a lot of surgeries. And when I come up out of the, you know, you wake up after you've been anesthetized, um, how you're groggy, you don't quite feel yourself. and you kind of know what's going on around you, but, but you can't really, you know, you can't respond in the same way that you would. Really in many ways, being inebriated for the alcoholic, I think probably has similar feelings that you may want to say something, but you can't. Or you say some things maybe that you wouldn't normally say if you weren't in that position. But I can't imagine someone trying to argue with me in that position. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> and yet I continued and continued and continued 
And literally, I felt like I was beating my head against the wall after a while. And I'll tell you, Desiree, I was desperate when I came to the rooms of recovery, desperate. I, I just, I felt like I had tried everything. I had, you know, threatened to, to kick him out of the house. You know, I forced him into a program. I mothered him, you know. I, you know, tried to feed him differently. I tried to talk to him differently. I tried to sleep with him differently. I tried to engage his family. I tried to tell his friends on him. I tried to berate him. And, and maybe if I talk mean enough to you and, and say, you know, vicious, rude and mean things to you, maybe you'll wake up and say, I don't wanna be talked to like that, I'll stop drinking. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, I can't think of anything I didn't try. And even at one point, you know, I felt like I was very close to even becoming physical with him. Like I wanted to shake the liquor out of him if I could. Now, you know, as a woman with a strong man, let's be clear, that was not something I would win. So I, I sort of gave up on that idea before I followed through on it, but I sure thought about it. Right, right. <laughs> And, but at the same time, you know, I used what I thought I was better than him at as, as my weapon of choice. And, you know, one of the things that I was a little better at him is I was more articulate. I could grab words a little easier. So, and my words can cut like a knife if I put them together properly. So I did my best to just stab and cut and I mean, just annihilate him with my words. And some of the things I can't even think about now, Desiree, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so ashamed. And it was oftentimes after an incident would occur, I would think about it. And then I would just be humiliated. Like, how could you say something like that to somebody? And then I would even say to him afterwards, I would find myself needing to apologize. This is before I even knew about the steps and making amends and, you know, and all of those things. But I, I knew I could not go to sleep knowing I said that and not admit what I said. But then, like anything, here comes the justification. Well, if you had done A, B, C, and D, then I wouldn't have to say this to you. And I'm sorry I said it. But I probably wouldn't have said it if you had done A, B, C, and D. And something else I discovered in the program was that I had a God complex, Desiree, where I really believed um, that if I had just um, said the right thing, put the right set of phrases together, put the right set of words um, together that maybe there was something that I would say that would convince him to change otherwise. And because it was a spousal relationship, Desiree, I mean, I even dug as deep as to say, well, if you love me, then you would do things differently. And I think this program really taught me that, you know, we are separate people we are different people. 
And we are not the same people. And I remember one of the first meetings that I went to, I heard the word in term codependent. And I immediately was defensive. You know, ding, 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 ding. When you get immediately defensive about something, it's probably, uh, as the old people say, a hit dog will holler. Yeah, I hollered because how dare I become. Program, um, sorry, not to cut you off, but mm-hmm. bought it, you got it. Yep, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I, I just, I couldn't, I thought it was offensive. I'm not codependent. That to me means that you can't live without somebody else or that, you know, you need them to breathe and, you know, that I can't be alone. That's not my issue. Except when I look back at my behavior, I really couldn't see a separation between he and I. I was all but in this man's underwear. (laughs) I mean, and probably if he were a bigger man, I would be inside of them with him because I simply felt like it was my job as his wife to get him to where he needed to be. And I was willing to stop at nothing. I drained my bank account. I, like I said, I did all sorts of things that really I never felt even comfortable saying out loud until I got into the rooms and heard other people that had done similar things um, in order to, to try to force him to stop. Well, I'll tell you, I came into the program like 18 months ago, Desiree, and my husband is still drinking. <laughs> He has not stopped. I mean, he's had periods where he's cut back, but for the most part, it's the same. The disease has progressed. There's been more symptoms. There's been more issues. There's been more behaviors. But I tell you, it wasn't until I finally believed that I I didn't cause it. I didn't change it. I forgot what the third C is. I can't cure it. <laughs> right. Cause it, can't control it. Can't cure it, right. So I couldn't, once I, I really believed that after a while. And, and then I started working with a sponsor and my sponsor, you know, she said some pretty in your face kind of comments to me. But one of the things that I remember most was she said, well, well, why do you feel like you have to react when he says something? And I was like, well, because, and here comes the justification. You know, <clears throat> I should be able to do A, B, C, and D. And she says, but isn't he an adult? And I was like, yeah. And she says, well, didn't, wasn't he an adult before you met him? I said, <laughs> um, yeah. She says, what? Well, didn't he survive up until when he met you? And I was like, yeah. She says, well, why do you think that he needs you to survive? And something about that phrase just, it shook me. Because I think there was at some point along our journey that I really believed that he needed me to survive. And and I was convinced, you know, with all of my indignation that I was going to lay down the pathway for him to walk so that he could survive. Well, I'll tell you that 
you know, after a year and a half of this program, I started to take my hands off the wheel. And in taking my hands off the wheel, I realized that I didn't have to do everything. You know, I didn't have to figure out his path. I didn't have to figure out what direction he was going. And one of the major telltale changes in behavior that I did is that when he would oversleep for work, which was often because he may have been out drinking all night and, and couldn't get up, I didn't wake him up anymore. And I'll tell you the first couple of times that happened, I was so guilty. Because I was like, what am I going to do if he doesn't get up for work? Well, what happens when people don't get up for work, Desiree? They don't go to work, right? Or they're late. Or they're late. Well, but has anybody ever passed away from not going to work? <laughs> not that I know of. I mean, unless they had a heart attack and couldn't physically go. Right. But, <laughs> but nobody ever passed away from being late. Well... What's interesting is it's amazing that when I stopped waking him up to get to work, he often was late, he had some consequences, but he never lost his job. Oh, but the times before that, when I would wake him up with work to include pouring ice down his underwear or water on him, or shaking him with all the might that I could. Do you know that those jobs, almost all of them, he was fired from. But when I let go and just let the natural consequences happen, he figured it out. He resolved it. He told them something. I don't know what the story was, but he told them something and he did not lose that job. Um, but I thought I, I had control over this man and what he was doing. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, unfortunately to date, you know, I have decided that this is a relationship that I, I could not manage anymore um, from a healthy standpoint for myself. Um, and, and while this, this relationship has really ended, it's amazing the friendship that's now developing. And a part of that friendship is coming out of my taking my hands off of the wheel and letting him drive his bus and I drive my bus. And that truly has saved me and the amount of weight off of my shoulders of not trying to drive two buses at the same time, <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> So that's so really well. all I got. <laughs> well, I thought I did. <laughs> that's all I got for you, Desiree. I mean, that's kind of a, I could be here all night, but that's kind of my shortened version of, of kind of what has happened to me and at least a part of my story. Um, a couple of things um, that I jotted down. Well, first off, so... Um, and you already know this, but our stories are, are, can you hear me now? Yeah, it's better. You were fading okay. out. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, so you already know this, but our stories are very, very similar. Very mm -hmm. similar. Um, oh, yeah. And 
our our podcast audience, of course, cannot see us, but you can see the whole time you were sharing, I was just, you know, I call it a rocking chair share because I was just rocking back and forth, like nodding incessantly. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I feel you. I feel you. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things you meant, you said, um, Uh-oh, yeah. say that again. I didn't hear you. Oh, I said you would you would go numb with your words. Yes. And that resonated with me because I am the same. And um, you also said that, um, you know, your words were your weapon of choice. And that mm-hmm. same here. Um, I definitely knew and know that I, I have a way with words. Mm-hmm. A lot of, a lot of, I don't want to say most, but a lot of people that I encounter don't, um, Mm -hmm. my qualifier. um, And I definitely would use that, that Mm -hmm. my tongue is, was definitely my weapon of choice. Not a problem. Um, (laughs) And one thing that I would do is I would play, I would have the conversation with my, I would have the conversation with him in my head Mm -hmm. by myself like full-blown conversation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm, Desiree's going to say this and then he's going to say this and then this is how Desiree's going to respond and then he's going to mm-hmm. say and, and then of course, I would, have the, I would have the actual conversation and it would not go how Desiree played it out in her head and, right. and cue the resentment because it didn't play out exactly how it was supposed to play. I played it out in my head with all the manipulation and all the, you know, all the little tricks and to get to, you know, to, to see it my way. And um, if he would just do as I said and just, you know, did all the things, like, we'd be fine. I, I don't, I don't understand. Like, I don't get why you can't just do what I'm telling you to do. Yes. Um, and please. <laughs> and I and the and then the the codependency for for me it was it was the enmeshment like mm-hmm. I didn't know where I began and where he you know I didn't know where I ended and he began we it was just like this gnarly ball of yarn that you just could not untangle and mm-hmm. I really thought that's the way it was supposed to Oh well, they say you know, get married um, to become one. Yeah, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. yes. And you're still yourself, mm-hmm. and he's still himself. Mm-hmm. And you know, together you do you do join as one. But it's not twenty four seven. There needs to be some. You know, you you have your your thing. He has his thing, and it's okay. And I just. That never, that for whatever reason, um, pre, pre-program, pre-recovery, that never made sense to me. Mm-hmm. That wasn't, that wasn't love. Um, mm-hmm. You know, love was, um, you know, covering up for him. Love was shake, waking him up. Hey, you're going to be late for work. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the support, air quotes. Um Love was um, calling his boss, telling, oh, you know, he's not feeling well. 
not telling mm -hmm. why he's not feeling well, just, mm -hmm. you know, so the omission and just like I said, the covering up and all of that. Um, and yeah, and then the shame part. Um, yeah, I just, I got so good at covering stuff up. Mm -hmm. um, so good. Like, so, so good. Um, to the point when um, I decided it was finally time to, you know, let my loved ones know what was actually going on, you know. Yeah, I, I flew home to, you know, talk to my parents face to face. I felt like it was a conversation that needed to be had face to face. Mm -hmm. And um, just, you know, let them know what was going on. And my mom looked me dead in my eyes and she was like, well, you did that really well. Mm. I had no clue. Like, absolutely. <laughs> like, you let off no, no red flags, no warning signs. And it kind of like, that kind of shook me. It really mm -hmm. did. Because it was like, you know, that, who wants an award for being a good liar? Like, who wants an award yes. for being like a master omitter no and and then um, you know great that, pretender right and then <laughs> it's my and then it's your parents like you know, they just want all the great things for you hiding stuff um and so yeah just um going back to the topic um i i love the the rediscovering because when I got to the rooms, when I got to the rooms of I didn't know who was it. I didn't know. I didn't know the nature of my nature because I didn't, I didn't know me. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't want to know me. I, I needed to know how to get this man to stop doing it. Yes. So that I could be a happy wife again. And mm -hmm. we could, you know, we could just continue on our happy, you know, humble life. Mm -hmm. um, and it became quite evident very, very early on that that's not the case. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way at all. Um, but I'm so grateful. I'm grateful that um, it was presented so gently mm -hmm. and um, and that it was also presented in a way that left it up to me to have here for you. Take it, you can use it. But this is what we have. This is your gift. It's it's you're you know you're here. Um what what do we say? You're here because of the alcoholic, not for the alcoholic. Yes. Um mm -hmm. and I think that piece was like, oh, oh okay. You know, I thought I was there for him to support him. And then and then I thought, oh okay. I'm here to figure out how to be a good Al-Anon and he's going to see that I'm changing and he's going to see all the good things that I'm doing and that this program is doing for me. And he's going to just, oh, yeah, you know what? I don't want to drink anymore. I'm going to go to AA. And it's all because of you. All because of you and, and Al-Anon. No, no. But, but that, you're, okay, still not getting it. <laughs> you're not. You're not getting it. This is for you. Are you? First off, let's figure that out first. Who are you? Who's Desiree? <laughs> um, and once I got there, once I, you know, like really got there, 
and it took a while. I want to say, I don't think I really got to the point where I was 100% focused on who Desiree was. Um, I would say probably until like the March mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about a year and a half in. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, like, was still in the peripheral, right? Like, I feel like I should have had blinders on, but I was still like, I was still checking for him. <laughs> when you talked about, you know, um, you know, being, you were so codependent, like, would have been in his underpants with him mm-hmm. if, you know, if you could have been. Um, and for me, it wasn't so much that, but I always had there was always an eye, like what are you doing? Like I would, and he would catch me, like, and it was so it got to the point where like I didn't even realize it. He would have to point it out to me. Mm. Like, why are you watching me? Like, I'm not watching you. Yes, you are. You watch me get up and go to the refrigerator and come back and and it didn't even like click to me like yeah you are like you are really chicken hawking like why mm-hmm. I mean what is it gonna do you, mm-hmm. you already you, he's getting up he's going to grab another beer okay you staring at him and wishing that he was you know maybe going to pick up a book or <laughs> going to you know do whatever, anything mm-hmm. else than what he was doing, it took a lot for me to get, you know, that focus back on him. But I feel like once I did, um, I realized that I had choices. And mm-hmm. um, one of those choices was Christian. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't have to allow the feelings to be um, I could I could choose to do things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just so, so grateful for, for and like you said, you know, going to the meetings to hear others strength and hope and to hear, you know, people open up and say, oh yeah, I used to do this. I used to pour out the liquor. I, you know, um, you know, paid all his parking tickets. I did all of this. Mm-hmm. I did all of that. And just to hear, you know, um, the a lot of times the relief have just getting that out, getting that shame out, um, mm-hmm. so helpful, so grateful. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because that shame piece is it's like it's not. And if fun. you and I was gonna something you just said, the shame. I think one of the things that you hear a lot is that a lot of the drinking is tied to so much shame. But I think as an Alanonic, there is so much shame around what we're doing, attempting to right. police the alcoholic. Right, or, right, right. Because mm-hmm. it goes back to that tangibility part that you were saying, you had alluded to earlier. You know, um, we know what the problem is with them. They drink. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> they drink it, you know, excessively. And it's, it's progressing into like a bigger problem. But for us, there's nothing tangible. Like there's nothing that we can like, you know, aside from pointing our finger at, well, it's them, you know, mm-hmm. aside from that, um, there's nothing, there's nothing to like grab onto. And mm-hmm. I think for me, that was the hard piece too, because I'm looking around like, okay, I got to be going crazy because 
what is going on? And, you know, there was nobody else around. So it's mm-hmm. just me and him. And he's sitting there telling me I'm crazy. I'm wondering, am I crazy? And mm-hmm. I have nobody to look at for validation. And then, so it's like, oh, I, I must be crazy. I must mm-hmm. be. Um, and so just the relief, I just, I, I physically remember the, like just the weight being lifted off of my chest, my first like Alan on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and walking in and, you know, hearing like, no, you didn't cause this. You can't control it and you can't cure it. Um, and you're powerless over it. Like, there's, mm-hmm. ooh, there's nothing you can do. Um, and, you know, just hearing, and even then, like, I remember the relief, but even still, I was still, there were still pieces of me that were like, nah, we could try. We could, we could keep trying. There's other things we could try. Um, uh-huh. and not, and it's still, you know, not really clicking until it did. And uh-huh. I think that's one of the things that I love about this program. We all get there at our own time. Uh-huh. And nobody's standing there, you know, finding us like, oh, Sabrina. Right. Like, it's been six know, months. Right. Get it together. <laughs> what <laughs> right. are you doing? Right. You know, it's, it's totally, it, we get there tells us um nobody tells us what we need to do out nobody tells us separate nobody tells us first we need to move have them move um it's our decision to make Mm -hmm. i i don't know i i really don't know what i don't know how i would be right now if it wasn't that way, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I look at it more like you know, okay. You said you look at it like, and I missed. I look at it. I look at it like you go to your mom or your auntie or like your grandma or like you know, an old, like maternal figure for advice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you tell them what's going on and they're, you know, just like, honey, you need to leave him and mm-hmm. um, get on with your life. You know, this example. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like, we feel compelled, right? Because of who that person is. Like, right. oh, well, they must know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. But they don't. Because mm-hmm. they're, not, they're not experiencing, right? They're not experiencing at all and so when you jump so jump to recovery and you have a room full of people that are have experienced the same thing that you're experiencing varying degrees um but you know they they get it and yes they're, and they're telling you keep coming back no tell me what to do no 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 i can't believe me i can't and you'll get it like just keep coming back and you'll understand why i can't tell you that because it's, right. it's not my place. Mm-hmm. And um, I honestly just, I think that that is such, it's such a profound concept. Um, at least it was for me. Mm-hmm. And it just helped, you know, it just helped me circle it back. Because at the end of the day, it's just, that's it. That's all I have. It's, it's at the end of the day, I, I'm with me all day. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I don't know me, 
if I don't know, if I don't know the nature of my hair, if I don't know why I tick, if I don't know, you know, what gets me going, what gets me not going, um, how can I expect anybody else to, to get that problem drinking? So, For this program, um, anything topic? Um, not that I can think of. I mean, again, I think our stories are so intertwined, and I think that's one of the many joys of the program. Is you you mentioned it a couple of times, people that get it, and I think you know sometimes there is this expectation that when you talk to people or try to get advice from people that they're gonna give you a direction. And that's one of the things that I think that stood out right away about this program is that you don't necessarily get direction. I mean, you get the suggestion, hey, keep coming back. But I even like the one phrase that said, you know, take what you like and leave the rest. Right. Um, Cause that really, to me gets at, hey, everybody's not gonna agree right. or everybody's not going to hear what they wanna hear or need to hear. So you just take what you like, right? And then you move on from there. And, you know, I just think that that's so different from what typically happens in relationships. And, you know, I would hear things like, especially in women's meetings, <clears throat> um, Desiree, I would hear a lot of, you know, feeling like you, you weren't heard or your voice was silenced and, you know, and the alcoholic couldn't hear you per se. And it was funny because I didn't necessarily see that, but my issue was that I talked all the time. So really he probably felt more unheard than I did because I talked enough for him and for me and for anybody else that wanted to listen. So, I mean, I think that's an example of how you may think that, you know, the direction is for everyone. But really what I thought was, well, you know, being silent or, or not talking as much, uh, that's for everybody else, that's not for me. And I didn't take that right away. Now I did keep coming back though. And eventually I started to shift my direction on, on how I thought about things. And I said, you know, maybe I don't have to say something about everything I see. You know, maybe I can just be quiet. Maybe I can not address what I just saw. And, and maybe Sabrina, you don't have to take someone else's inventory. Maybe you can just focus on your own because <laughs> there's plenty there in step right. four to, to deal with. Definitely. So. I definitely <laughs> felt that thing. That was definitely everybody else's inventory, but, uh, but stayed on step three for way too long because... <laughs> Oh, I really, I love step three. I'm going to stay here forever. No, it was, I was terrified of step four. That, that like, let's just be honest. Mm -hmm. um, something you said, oh, and take what you like and leave the rest. Um, mm -hmm. So when you were talking, what dawned on me is, you know, for me, I found that the stuff that I leave, I eventually have come back to. Yes. And so I feel when you were talking, I was like, yeah, you know, maybe, for me, I should uh, like and leave the rest for now. Yes. Because 
it comes back, it, you know, it comes back. I, and especially like when I'm preparing for, um, preparing for an episode and I'm doing my reading and I'm like writing and I, you know, I have courage to change and hope to change. Um, I have them a digital copy on my phone. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to like highlight and make notes and stuff. And it's crazy. Like sometimes, you know, like I'll, I'll go through a reading and the reading will be marked up and there'll be a sentence that sparks to me. And then mm-hmm. I'll get caught off guard because I'm like, but I read this like five times. Why didn't I hide? What? How did I miss that? Mm-hmm. Because I didn't need it at that time. Right. Or yes. it didn't, you know, it wasn't something that I needed to take at that time. I need to take it now though. And so there we go, we highlight. <laughs> but it's just, it's crazy to me though that, you know, eventually I feel like eventually you're going to take it. Yeah. Um, this might not be taken and so it's back to that piece of like perspective and um just being just being honest open and willing you know mm-hmm. that and that open piece and that to, to say okay well today this, this isn't serving me today I I don't need this so I can just and then go on about my day and mm-hmm. let it come back organically and maybe when it comes back I I will I will need it, but all good. And yes. and there's no judgment. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the part. I think that's the part that I like because it's, you know, I can leave this and that's it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how Sabrina feels about the if I left it or not. It doesn't matter, you know, whoever, you know, Jimmy, John, whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my program. It's my program to work. Um, and that whole like no judgment best you can and all that good stuff that that we learn uh, or that is presented to us uh, I, yeah um, any last any last remarks on on the topic no I think we covered it pretty well thank you I think we did too. Okay, so um, so I want to go into um, this a next, another portion uh, or next section of the podcast where I um, introduce this question of um, how are you healing? Not feeling. How are you healing? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just it's important um, to discuss um, the ways that we're healing. Mm-hmm. I, I know it's important for me because this one thing that I notice about this program is that it's slow, right? You don't, mm-hmm. the growth is slow. You don't see, and a lot of times you don't see it um, mm-hmm. until, it's, until it's pointed out to you um, or somebody comes up to you and says, wow, you know, you're different. Um, and so I just, I think it's a really good question to ask, um, you know, just to remind us of where we were and, and how far we've come. So um, anything that is on your heart in regard to that question. So I think the first thing to come to mind is slowly, like you said, um, and kind of piece by piece, um, 
you know, there are things that I did a lot in the beginning that I was just terribly ashamed for that I find myself not doing as much. And, and one of those things is having these, I mean, just relentless angry outbursts every time I had a strong emotion um, with my alcoholic. I just would have these tremendously angry outbursts. And I mean, I had almost tracked myself to a schedule of, it happened about every week to week and a half, there was at least one. And that would be, you know, a, a yelling, screaming, cursing out, um, tantrum for lack of a better way to say it. And now I won't say that I haven't had an episode this month, but I think it was the beginning of the month. So now we've had about three weeks have gone by as opposed to about every, you know, seven to 10 days, there was one. And sometimes on a good uh, spicy week, it might be three or four times in one week. So that's one thing. Um, I think my pausing before I say something is happening more often. And it's my consideration for how I want to show my love to him. Is, is saying this going to really show my love or is it going to be a critique of him? And one of the things that I, I knew in my healing I wanted to do was to be more loving in my approaches even if it was something that occurred that may have been painful, I still, painful to me, I still want it to be loving, even if I had to, to acknowledge the pain. Right. So I was, I definitely find myself being more loving. Um, I think I have done my best to elicit as much support as possible. When I'm having a rough day or a rough time, I have my tribe, which is something that my sponsor really pushed for me to get. She said, you have to get a tribe so that there are people that will walk this journey with you that you can, can reach out to and that can hold your hand as you go through these these episodes or fires. And I can safely say today, I went from probably no one <laughs> to, I have probably at least four or five solid people in my tribe um, that have really made a difference in my recovery. Um, so I would definitely say, oh, I'm journaling more. That's been something that I would periodically journal kind of over the course of my life, but it never was consistent. It never was all the time. And I would definitely say when I'm feeling now strong and full of emotion, it's, it's more natural now for me to reach for my journal. Like, let me get it out, whatever's going on. 
Um, so I've definitely been doing that. And I had, I knew I was healing when someone that helps me came to me and said, you look much better than you did a month ago. Because the last time I saw her, <clears throat> I was really in the throes of a lot of pain. And I know with the support, with the tools that the program gives me, I have a therapist that I work with, you know, with all of these different things that I have, you know, kind of my tribe that I talk to regularly. Um, I know that that was a part of why I'm looking better. Um, but it's slow, honestly. I mean, I'm glad you said that, Desiree. It is slow. And there are some things that I think I just didn't notice. But, and I don't think I noticed how bad I looked before until she said how good I look now. So there's that. But I'm healing just slowly. That's the tough piece, um, especially because our society, you know, you want everything yesterday. Um, yes. And, you know, with COVID and, um, I don't know about you, but um, I know COVID definitely ratcheted up my, um, my Amazon and online shopping spending, <laughs> you know, but, and, and we're so spoiled. Um, mm -hmm. In, in that regard. And so um, I know for me, it's been a struggle because I haven't, until recently, um, you know, when I think back and like, oh, you know, well, how am I doing? You know, checking in with myself. I couldn't see the progress. Like I couldn't see it all. Um, mm -hmm. But now today, yeah, I can, def I can definitely see I know that I'm speaking up for myself a lot more. Um, that was something that, you know, just completely stifled. Just, I just mm -hmm. was not speaking up for myself. And, and then when I would, when I would finally garner up the courage to speak up for myself, a lot of times um, it fell on deaf ears. So it was mm -hmm. like, well, what, why am I wasting my breath? Why am mm -hmm. I even waiting for what? Um, I'm not being heard. Mm -hmm. um, so I know that piece is really big. For me. Um, and I, just to kind of dive into that, um, speaking up for myself, um, I never struggled like with knowing, well, I shouldn't say never, but um, struggle, not struggling, um, going after what I want has never been an um, and again, I shouldn't say never, uh, most of the time it's, it's not an issue for me, but as the disease progressed in my life, that definitely became, a, it definitely became a problem. Mm -hmm. And it was all fear-based because I just, I was so afraid that the answer was going to be no, negative or not going to be what I wanted that I mm -hmm. just wouldn't. I just wouldn't speak up. I wouldn't, mm -hmm. I wouldn't voice my opinion. I, I didn't want to not get what I wanted. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> so mm-hmm. I just wouldn't ask. But and like just saying it out loud, like how asinine is that? Like, well, <laughs> if you don't, you're not going to get it anyway. So what what is the problem uh, with asking? And so now I feel like I'm definitely tapping into that courage. Like, mm-hmm. And it's getting the more I practice it, it's getting easier. And wouldn't you know it? I, you know, nine times out of 10, I'm getting, I'm not getting what I want. I'm getting way more than I even could have dreamed of. Like, Mm -hmm. what are the chances? Oh, so you mean when I, you know, when I ask for what I want and I let it go and I turn it over to my higher power and let my higher power do higher power things like, oh, that's how that works. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's definitely been a big piece for me. Um, Journaling too. I've definitely uh, been like, you know, I'll be good for a month and then I fall off for nine months. And mm-hmm. um, but as of recent, I've really been trying to, you know, make it like a everyday thing. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's really big for me. Um, uh, listening, listening to my body. Another um, mm. way that I know I'm healing, or you know, another. Because that's mm-hmm. something I wasn't doing either. Everything that was coming, feeling wise, I was just pushing it down, suppressing. Um, and so when things started to come up again, when patterns started to show themselves, my body, God bless her, um, just did a very fantastic job of saying, Nope, you're not pushing us down this time. Nope, you're, mm-hmm. you're feeling, you are going to feel better. Um, and I hated her during the time because it was very, it really was painful. Like mm-hmm. the emotional pain was, it was literally physical for me. Like mm-hmm. I felt it in my bones, like mm-hmm. everywhere. But I'll tell you what, um, I know what to look out for now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. when, when my, when I'm sitting there and my leg is just like bouncing and I can't get it to stop, I know what that is. Mm-hmm. I know that's just anger and frustration and that's just energy that, you know, okay, oh, well, maybe go for a run, go, go run that out. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's been, that's been really good. Just, you know, and again, attest to the program, being able to check in with myself from mm-hmm. time to time and see like, how are, are you okay? How are you feeling? How are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned, you know, definitely like if I feel like just the energy in me like let's go grab the dog we go for a run like Mm -hmm. let's go run this out we can't we can't let it sit we can't let it fester because that was Mm -hmm. something that I would do I would just let it sit there and my body would just absorb it until it you know until it dissipated but it never went anywhere it just was Mm. in me just building 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 and Mm -hmm. You know, and then I couldn't get it out with my words, you mm. know, so where is it going to go? Mm-hmm. And it just, it sat up here, it sat in my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, I'm reading, I'm meditating. Um, this podcast, you know, just the, the preparation, you know, to put an episode together, definitely, um, I feel is helping with cathartic mm-hmm. um and and then even like you know having to do 
the outreach like museums to other recovery fellows um to just getting past that fear and i don't even know why like i don't even know what i was so hung up on like asking mm-hmm. to you know do what they do in a meeting like <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I mean, and a lot of us, you know, enjoy the crosstalk and we can't do it in meetings. Like, why are you just ask? And if they can't do it, then ask somebody else. Like, it's it's going to be OK. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like um, it's it's still slow mm-hmm. and and that's all right with me. It's just mm-hmm. not my, you know, it's not my time. It's things will be revealed. Things will come. And my higher power, um, it's time for them to come. And I did, there was one thing. We were in a meeting one day and you said something and I I had wrote it down. And when you said it, I grabbed this note, like this is just a podcast notebook. Mm-hmm. And I wrote your name down because I was like, I will, I affirmed Sabrina will guest host on the podcast. I don't know when, but she will. Oh, I love it. it. (laughs) And I wrote the quote next to your name. And you said, God gives you what you need when you need it. Yes. Amen. 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 So Um, true. And before we get off of this, how are you healing? I would just, I said, um, before we, you know, go on, um, before we get off of this, uh, how are you healing? I would love to hear a quick experience from you on that, on that quote, God gives you what you need. You know, that has been really one of my life quotes for so long, even pre-recovery, but really, I think it came out of probably at one time, maybe a sermon that I heard or, or I got it from another wise person. I wish I could say it was an original quote, but it's not. (laughs) But you know, it resonated with me because it, it's been my experience that God or higher power or whoever you, you know, whatever name makes you comfortable, I use the term God, but I find that as there are things that are happening to me in my life, that God will provide some either further explanation, he will provide some type of wisdom, he will provide some support or he will make a a divine connection with someone who will give me something that I need to take my next step. Because I think sometimes in this life, you feel like you are losing your breath at times because something is so intense that's going on. And it's like, if I can just get to the next step and it's like, you know, he'll give you an asthma pump if you need that. you know, or he'll give you someone that just puts their hand on your back, you know, or someone that gives you a hug or your phone will ring right at the right time. Or, you know, if you, you know, I have a seven-year-old and he'll come sometimes and just check on his mama, you know, or even at times, you know, my husband would give me a hug, you know, without me having to ask for it or, you know, someone lets you in if you're in traffic, you know, but there is something about the sweetness of the higher power that just, they're in tune with you. So they know what it is that you need. And it just, 
I mean, I hate to say the use the word magically because it's not magic, but I think the entombment with you is that they know exactly what you need at the time in which is perfect for you to understand. So I think this way, um, she actually into the music portion. So again, Another first, um, we're just, you know, right now we're trying new things. I, um, when I reached out to Sabrina and asked her uh, to be a guest host, I, um, I asked her to also uh, think of maybe three to four songs um, that are resonating with her right now. Um, and music is, as I'm sure for Sabrina, and as I'm sure for a lot of a lot of us listening, um, very very important. Um, music is something that I've has always been in my life, but I've noticed for me, I've shied away from. Um, up until recently, I've definitely um, been getting trying to get myself back into the habit of just having music on in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I would just love to, you know, briefly discuss um, the songs that you that you chose. Maybe some, you know, I don't know if you have like favorite lines out of the songs or what have you. But um, yeah, why don't we uh, why don't we go ahead and start with the first song you listed was "Lessons" by Eric Roberson. Yes. So it's funny because Eric Roberson is a personal friend of someone that I know. So she would oftentimes, um, you know, go to his shows or she would post about on social media, different things that he was doing. And I, as a result, I started to follow him. I had heard of him, but he wasn't somebody that I listened to often. But because of her relationship with him, I started following him on social media. And he recently posted this song. And I've been a person who's never necessarily been a huge collaborations person, unless obviously it was multiple artists that I love. But he collaborated on this song, Lessons. And I think what really spoke to me about it was it talked about the transition that, and it's four male singers on the song. And he really, to me, the song is about those things that you learn prior to finding your, um, finding that perfect person for you or that love that, you know, you, you've been looking for your whole life. And you know, he really kind of covers the errors or the mistakes that you make up until the point of finding that person. And it's really speaking to the the very title of the song, the lessons that you learn. And I think, you know, in conversations with my um, husband over the last several months, we've been talking about lessons. And I think he's been telling me as things have been happening Um, these lessons that he's been learning from being married to me and things that he's learned, things that he should have learned, things that he, 
you know, probably could have done differently. And it really, in some ways, this song to me is really speaks to what is supposed to happen when wisdom enters your life. Like you're supposed to, you know, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay for things to happen. But really at the end of the day, you're hoping that these lessons will lead you to the ultimate gift. And in this song, they really cover that the ultimate gift was that person that they ended up with. And, and I say, that sounds kind of negative, ended up with, but the person that really was selected for them. Um, and that to me just really kind of spoke to my heart. And I'm a person, I'll be honest with you, Desiree, that if the music isn't right, I will never hear the words because I truly am an instrumentalist. I think at heart, I can kind of create my own words later, but the, the music has to speak to me. So I'll hear people say, oh, have you listened to this song? And they'll say, oh, the lyrics are great. Well, if the music isn't right, I will never hear the lyrics. So a part of what was so appealing about this song was the music just, I mean, it swept me right in. Right. And then I often have to listen to something two or three times to just get in tune with the music. And then here come the lyrics. And then if you have great lyrics on top of that, oh, it's the perfect song for me. So. Yeah, it's, def it's, it's definitely a bop, y'all. It really is. Um, and, well, I, you know what? I don't even know if I call it a bop. <laughs> hmm. well you guys check check it out and you know um, i will call it a groove there you go okay there you go yes i'll snap on that it's, <laughs> um again the name of the song is lessons by eric robert is it roberson roberson mm -hmm. um and so for me so i um sabrina sent me the list of songs and um I went back last night and and um, I'm the same way. Like I, the lyrics might sway me, but mm -hmm. I gotta be able to like, it's gotta be a bop. It's gotta, I gotta be able to groove to it. Like I totally mm -hmm. feel you on the groove. Um, but the very first line of the song, the very first, yeah, it's the very first line. God has a funny voice. That that's what got me. Yeah. Um, that yes. definitely got me. Um, and then they went into it. And then the um chorus. Now I realize everyone that let me down all them sleepless nights, all the heartbreak I had led me If I never went through it. I'd, I'd have never uh, found a love like you. And when I first, when I first heard the song, I was like, oh, okay, they're, they're each talking about, you know, the love that they found mm -hmm. um, because of all the past heartache mm -hmm. that they've been through. So I got that, but then I went back and like, I was reading it and I was like, oh, well, what if the you is me? What if, right. what if, you know, the love that I found that led me back to you was Desiree. Like it led me back to love myself. And then I went back just with that in mind. And I was like, oh yeah, that I'm going to go that route. 
<laughs> well, it's so funny that you say that, Desiree, because that same journey happened to me with this song. See? And I actually literally thought to myself, after hearing it, now I will say I'm also a hopeless romantic. So I'm always going to hear the nature of the love first. Right, right. But because I've been doing so much work on myself, that that is really where I ended with this song was that this is just talking about self-love. Yep. And with everything that has happened, it's led me to the new and improved healed Sabrina. Amen. Okay, so that's I just think that's just like how um we both kind of got the same that's um, funny yeah uh-huh. <laughs> but it, it's such such a great song I encourage all of you out there if you haven't heard it are whoo the vocals are great um yes. I forget that I I know two of the three um features there was Anthony Hamilton who yes oh, all day and um Raheem Devon but I I can't remember the last person but everybody across the board was great great yeah Kevin Ross was the other singer Mm -hmm. um okay so let's go into the second song which um of the four and um I'm gonna you know be telling on myself here of the four this was my favorite song this song Uh Now, this is a bop. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> this, this song is a bop. Um, <laughs> it is, uh, go ahead, uh, Sabrina, if you go ahead and introduce it. And then, um, let me is this, were you talking about Jasmine Sullivan? Yes, yes, ma'am. Okay, okay. I wanted to be sure we were on the same page. So Jasmine Sullivan, if you don't know her, you need to know her. This sister is, I mean, beyond amazing. And I was fortunate to get to hear her before she was a star. But I'll tell you that I knew she was a star 20 years ago when I heard her. That's how long she's been around for people that may not know it. But so she has a a newer song out, um, Pick Up Your Feelings. And let me tell you. (laughs) Please do. (laughs) Gangster. Like she has always been, you know, able to provide a level of just in your face. Yes. I'm not playing with you. You know, woman power. And, you know, for lack of a creative other word, F you (laughs) men that aren't worthy. (laughs) Oh, we, and, we, we could curse Sabrina, so okay. let it fly. <laughs> right. I mean, this is a polished aspect of Ratchet, this song. <laughs> like, um, Definitely. But, you know, she really just kind of speaks to, you know, when there's a breakup or when there's, um, you know, the ending of something, you know, people, everybody has a version of what they say happened. or a version of what they said. And oftentimes it's, you know, as you hear that phrase, there are two sides to one story and then there's the truth. But I think she really covers in this song, like, you know, you got your version, I got my version, but it's over. Come over here, get your shit and be out, (laughs) like, period. And while you're here, pick up your feelings too. Yes, yes, that's 
because I don't want to hear nothing. I've moved on. And that's when I say, when she, I say she is like woman power because she, it to me is the epitome of, you know, you may be hurt, you may have cried, you may have, you know, been frustrated about what's happened. But at the end of the day, when you know that you're not being treated properly, you know, it's like you and you dust yourself up and you're off and you're ready to go and stand up. It's like, you know what, come and get your shit and get out. And oh. pick up your feelings along the way. I don't care about how you feel. Because, you know, a lot of times what happens, and this song really talks about, you know, when you lose something, that's oftentimes when that person will come back saying, oh, well, we could have, and we right. should have, and let's talk about it now, and I'm sorry, and all but that. passed us. And, and she's right. like, yeah, nobody, nope. it, it, no, it's too late for that now. Right, right. You know? So I just, oh, I mean, this is when I was going through, and I and I hate to say it, like my angry phase of my my breaking, my breakup, and not angry in a sense of wanting to to see harm to him, but just more of a, you know, I'm tired of the BS and right. I'm tired of the nonsense. Like, you know, just go. Like, if if you don't want to be here, just go. You know, let's not pretend anymore. Like right. I've been nice long enough. <laughs> so, um, so. Two, two parts that I wanted to point out. Mm-hmm. Or the chorus, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, don't forget to come and pick up your feelings. And you have to, I'm going to pause. You have to hear the song because the way she says it, when I first heard it, I thought she was going to say, don't forget to come and pick up your shit. Right. And, but it, she, but she pauses and then she says feelings. And so it's like, oh, uh, uh, Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> Come get that too. Yes. Right. Please pick that up. So let me, um, but I digress. So she says, uh, don't forget to come and pick up your feelings. Don't leave no pieces mm-hmm. you need to hurry up and pick up your feelings. When I'm up cleaning, that piece <laughs> got me like, yes, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get things in order. So while I'm doing that, just come over here, get your stuff, get your feelings, and then, you know, get out and the go. door, right? Mm-hmm. So that I can continue cleaning and getting myself right. And then the other part was, uh, uh, oh, no, yeah, that she, is that part of the chorus? Yes, it is part of the chorus. Um, boy, please, I don't need it. Memories, mm-hmm. all that shit, you can Mm-hmm. Don't forget to come and pick up your feelings. Don't leave no pieces. And then um, there's one stanza. Let me she says, I'm trying to find a fuck to give for you. You ran mm. out of chances of forgiving. Yeah, listen, I ain't listening. Just for you to go ahead and break my heart again. I learned my lesson last time. And I ain't coming back. This is what you had. This is what you had now. And I bet I, and I bet you, I look better, don't I? <laughs> this. Yeah. That's how you really feel. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I, yes, totally love this song. Definitely women empowerment Um, for somebody that, you know, had had a very strong voice mm-hmm. and um, 
allowed alcoholism to silence it, mm-hmm. get it, um, and then to find it again and to, um, you know, start putting it into practice. This was like, yeah, this is an anthem. This is definitely, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is definitely an anthem in the, in the anthology that is yeah, she she summed it up. Um, mm-hmm. I just I don't need it. I don't. I I've tried all I can. I've exhausted all efforts, and it isn't gonna. It's not gonna work. And that's okay. You know that's mm-hmm. okay. I just I just need you to pick it up off the floor and you know and go to go to it elsewhere because it you just yeah you can't do it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I totally feel this one. Um, <laughs> Okay, and uh, what was the next one? Uh, I think it was the Her song. I think you might be right. It was the, uh, what was the name of that? The one that I said. I'm trying to remember. Oh, Focus. Right, Focus. So a very simple song. And really, to me, a lot of times this disease has you feeling forgotten about, feeling like the only thing that matters is what's in the bottle. And when you're in a relationship with somebody in particular, there is nothing like feeling alone in a relationship. And the whole song is really about if you could just focus on me. And I think, you know, that has been a chronic issue for me over the course of my life um, in relationships is that I would chronically um, feel like I was neglected or ignored or I wasn't considered. And, And particularly, I think in dealing with people that struggle with alcohol, again, it was like everything else was important. But particularly the alcohol was the most important going to get if they didn't have it, they were going to get some mm-hmm. or if they did have it, they were focused on getting more. But it was never about me. And I'm like, I just want you to be here for me. If you could just focus on me. Um, and she really kind of describes different things that get them caught up, like, you know, you know, hands in the soap, you have the faucet running. I'm looking at you, but you're stuck on your phone. You're stuck in your zone. You know, you don't have a clue. Um, But it's like, if I just want, you know, I don't want to give up. Um, I just want you to get up. And lately I've been a little fed up and I wish you would just focus on me. And it's like, I'm trying to give you the message that just consider me you know, just focus on me, but everything else is in front of me. And it's like, I don't want to throw in the towel because of this, but if you don't focus on me, I'm going to be gone. And that really, to me, just spoke to my heart. Again, very simple, but just focus on me. I really like this song, but um, when I heard it, what I heard was when I heard it and I had like my recovery ear on, mm-hmm. um, it was more of like my inner child mm. telling mm-hmm. me, hey, I'm right here. 
Mm-hmm. You're in your mm-hmm. phone, you're leaving the faucet on, you're doing all this other stuff, you know, you're not, I need you to, I need you to bring it back, like, come, mm-hmm. come look at me, pay attention to me. Um, oh, that's a great perspective. Yeah, I, I definitely, I saw that a lot, because I, you know, I, there, I have a lot of, I have a lot of trauma, a lot, a lot of childhood trauma, um, and mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of my trauma in my adulthood um, stems from me not dealing with my childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. Definitely just kind of just rolled in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now that I'm in recovery and I'm understanding that like a lot of this stuff, you know, yes, the alcoholism, you know, affected me. Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. But a lot of my struggle was prior to problem drinker you know mm-hmm. I, I I've been carrying this shit um, mm-hmm. and so this you know I have um, a bad habit of like a suppressing ignoring mm-hmm. denying and just doing everything else except the thing that I need to be doing mm-hmm. um, you know and so and that's what that's what resonated with me like okay yeah um, yeah, you're doing all of this, but you, you need to remember to turn it back inward and keep the focus. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then the last one, um, I think, was Jennifer Hudson's song. That's No One Gonna Love You. And this one in particularly, again, is taking the relationship perspective. But like you, I heard... Um, particularly, you know, the chorus saying, you know, can't nobody love you like I'm going to love you. And that really spoke to my heart around the fact that, you know, nobody is going to be able to love me the way I can love myself, no matter what. So I can put all of these things on somebody else, but it's really about me. And then, so basically she's kind of reiterating, can't nobody love you like I'm going to love you. I'm making you this promise. Can't you know that nobody, ain't no, ain't no one going to love you like I'm going to love you. Um, you know, no one can show you what I could. You know, somebody better tell you, told you, some, somebody better told you. Um, but you know, I've been doing things, please don't throw that against me. But it's kind of like what we do to ourselves, we neglect ourselves, we don't take care of ourselves. You know, we put all our focus somewhere else. And it's like, you can put all that energy into somebody else. But at the end of the day, it's really me, and it's God. And that's where my focus needs to be. Um, I do want, again, Sabrina, thank you so much for for doing this uh, with me, uh, the the very first guest host on uh, trying to blow out a light bulb. Um, I hope it was a great experience for you. It and was. Thank you so much for inviting me. And and course. what a great topic. I mean, Thank just you. in general. Oh, this is what we need. Amen. For sure. Amen. And I would you know like to come back and share more of your story or talk about another topic, I'd love to have you. I'm sure our listeners, um, again,
Yeah. As you know, um, there aren't too many that look like us, you know, in recovery. And so I have to reach out to as many of us as, as I can. And yes. Ask them to share their experiences. As you know, we're out there. We are there. Um, <laughs> we are out there. And um, I'm sure. If it's got to be the same for you um you know walking into the rooms a lot of times um, you know if it's not a person of color meeting um we find ourselves looking around like right i'm the only one in, right. in one of my regular meetings mm -hmm. and and there's no way we're the only ones right like, mm-hmm I, I know there are other people out there like us that are struggling and that don't, you know, haven't found us yet, haven't found the rooms of Al-Anon yet. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and that was my sole purpose for the project for this podcast. I can reach that one person. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're here. Um, yes. Feel a little leery because you're the well, you know, come listen to this and then you know, reach out and we can point you in the direction where you can find meetings where there are other people that look like you. Um, if, if that's what you need to find comfort in order to, you know, get into um, the rooms of recovery, find relief, not a problem. And, and I'm sure that, I, well, I know because you're here now. I know I'm yes or I the more I reach out I know it's, it's got to be we've got to I'm sure we're they're like-minded you know people of color that feel the same way um, I, I just cannot continue to see um, you know the praises of of recovery but it's done for my life um, I thank you for you know for being here for giving Thank you so much. You're welcome. So, what's the nature of your nature? And how are you healing this week? Please feel free to reach out to us um, to respond to these these questions or anything that may be on your heart. We can be reached at our website, tryingtoblowoutalightbulb.com, as well as our email. Um, email address is tryingtoblowoutalightbulb at gmail.com. Uh, we also have social media. Um, our Instagram handle is tryingtoblowoutalightbulb. Um, Facebook page is also trying to blow out a light bulb and the Twitter handle is let's heal y'all. Thank you for tuning in. We welcome you and hope you find the support and guidance we have been privileged to experience. We who live or have lived with the problem of alcoholism and addiction 
understand as perhaps few others can. We too were lonely and frustrated, but we discover that no situation is really hopeless and that it is possible for us to heal, whether the addict or alcoholic is still using or not. We urge you to use this podcast as a meeting between meetings, as a way to discover if a journey to recovery speaks to you. Recovery has helped many of us find solutions that lead to serenity. Much depends on our own attitudes. And as we learn to place our problem in its true perspective, we find that it loses its power to dominate our thoughts and our lives. Without such spiritual help, living with alcoholism and addiction is too much for most of us. In closing, we would like to say that the opinions expressed here were strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you liked and leave the rest. A few special words to those of you who haven't been with us long. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If you try to keep an open mind, you will find help. You will come to realize that there is no situation too difficult to be bettered and no unhappiness too great to be lessened. Let understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time. Let's heal, y'all. 